When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This week in Underdogs, we're feeling the madness. It's almost March, and we've got the teams to focus on to get ready for the tournament and a slew of upsets. The cry goes up both far and near for Underdog. Underdog. Countdown going on right now. Morrow up to Schultz. Five seconds left in the game. You believe in miracles? Yes! George, the dream is alive. Underdog. And I guess there's only one thing left to do. Win the whole fucking thing. It's the underdogs back with you. Can you feel it, Peter? I can. You feel unlike, what's coming? I, I, it's, it's. You know, uh, unlike Damian Lillard, I am not leading a lonely life right now. I am surrounded by all my favorite emerging college basketball teams because I'm immersed in studying and watching and breathing. That's right. The bracket breakers, the long shots, the underdogs, the Cinderellas, all coming your way. Courtesy of us, right? That's right. And us being, I'm your host, Jordan Brenner. That is my co-host, Peter Keating. And Peter, let's let's dust off some calculators today. Let's listeners, let's gather around in a circle. We're not going to get too into the weeds, but we want to get a little uh, a little smart with you today on a couple of subjects. Jordan, is so that you is guys... that your new is that your new haircut or a propeller turning on the top of your head? Anyway, when Peter's done making ridiculous comments, we will get into two important things. One, some of you may be planning to draft fantasy baseball teams. Others, just getting into the, the lay of the land for baseball. So we've got some breakout guys, some undervalued guys who are worth watching for some reasons that might teach you a little bit more about the game. So even if you're not a big fantasy player, stay with us, listen. Maybe you make a couple prop bets. There's lots of ways to apply this. But first... But first, as you know, Peter and I have sort of made our mark back at ESPN with Giant Killers, the athletic with bracket breakers. We project NCAA tournament upsets. We've got a model. It's called Slingshot. It has identified lots and lots of things that every March tell you who's going to pull up big upsets in the tournament. We are so psyched. Less than three weeks from Selection Sunday. But we want to tell you right now that if you want upsets in your bracket, we've got a few teams you should be focusing on right now as the regular season concludes as conference tournaments get going that you should want to see in the bracket and peter let's start with a team we actually mentioned a couple months ago but it's worth mentioning again the indiana state sycamores yes sir are your lights still on because when they come in the room they shoot out the lights so oh peter is so witty (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's right. You may have seen them. They have Robbie Avila and his mm-hmm. goggles at six foot ten, also known as College Jokic. He shoots forty one percent from three. He's putting up a seventeen seven four season. But it's not just Avila. They've got five guys who score in double figures. They all shoot threes. They're arguably the best shooting team in the country. They lead the nation in effective field goal percentage. They take half their shots from three and hit thirty eight percent of them. The only thing that keeps them from being going from a good bracket breaker to a historically great one is that they don't force turnovers. They don't grab offensive rebounds, but still they're leading the Missouri Valley conference by a game, 
but Drake is right there. Yeah. Joe Lunardi right now has them as an 11 seed as the automatic qualifier. They're 31st in the net rankings, only one in three in quad one games at four and one in quad two. So uh, the, the thing is twofold. Peter, does this team have a shot at an at-large if they don't win the conference tournament? And if not, should we all be flying to the conference tournament to root them on? I would love to say they have a shot at an at-large because I think uh, rewarding teams that do well right now under the system we have now, you can do great all season long, dominate your conference. Listen to the platitudes about conference championships, <laughs> college football and basketball season. Then your entire season can be spoiled on a Wednesday afternoon. If you trip up in a conference tournament, right? Uh, I think rewarding a team like this is much better for the game and also creates better matchups, better 14 and 15 seeds instead of allowing just the conference champions who may not be the best team or let alone the best killer and the best team in their conferences into the tournament. I've ranted about this for years to absolutely no effect. Unfortunately, things seem to be moving in the opposite direction, Jordan. How many at-large teams are there going to be from any non-major conference? Now, Leah, the Mountain West, okay, it might get five or six teams in, but the smaller conferences... I think maybe the Atlantic 10 will get lucky. We'll be lucky to get two. I don't know if anyone else is going to get more than one. So team like this is the classic example, Indiana state classic example, of a team that has to sustain this level of play through its conference tournament. It's a tricky yep. thing. It's a tricky thing too, to be dominant all season long against inferior opposition, still retaining the talents that is, it's going to be really interesting to watch as an underdog. Yeah. It's going to be really interesting to watch their case if they don't win the, hopefully it doesn't come to that. Hopefully they win the conference because we want to see them in, but they do have an at large case to make over a lot of these, you know, mediocre big conference team, but let's move on, Peter. I know there's a, a smaller conference team you want to talk about. It's my favorite team in the whole country right now. Jordan, have you been following Samford? Oh, I have. It's 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 crazy. First of all, Sanford is coached by a guy named Bucky McMillan. He is not a backup infielder for the Milwaukee Braves. He is an actual he is an actual <laughs> he's an actual coach who made his bones not in predicting giant killers, but in winning high school championships in Alabama. This guy had no college track record. He just built great programs in Alabama. I think seven state championships before he came to Sanford. Now, this is an undersized but extraordinarily aggressive team. This team ranks 10th in the country in steal percentage. They also do things, unlike Indiana State, all the other things you want to see a giant killer do. They hit the offensive boards. They're great at forcing turnovers. And they shoot 40% uh, and, and they shoot threes. threes. They shoot 40% yeah. from threes and take a lot of shots from three. Um they have a sense of I just want to say they have a sense of humor about their emerging identity too. Like at the beginning of the season, they shot a comedy video of one of their shortest players facing off a guy who against a guy who was really tall because they were going to open the season against Purdue and they had him going against Zach Eady for the first play of the season, which is yes. great. The kind of thing you yes. want to see. They did lose that game by 53 points they to did Purdue. Get <laughs> crushed in that game. But as we talk about, if you're an underdog, if you're a giant killer. High risk, high reward strategy. Doesn't matter how much you lose by, you have to give yourself a chance to win. It, that, if it's if it's win or go home, who cares how much you go home by? Now, what that game does kind of allude to is that they've played other than that crushing loss and a ten point loss to VCU. They've played no one. Um, they've got a really really weak schedule, so it's not like they're in the at large conversation. But in auto bid in the same league, um, that the same league that gave us Furman last year, Furman? right? 
Yeah. Yep. In, in fact, Furman was up six against Sanford and couldn't get an inbound pass uh, straightened out in the last 45 seconds of a game last week and lost to Sanford. Sanford has a long winning streak. Yeah, they're 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 way ahead in in the Southern Conference, which is kind of a conference of killers. The teams and you know if you compare conferences, SoCon teams shoot a lot of threes and force a lot of turnovers. They always generate somebody fun in the in the big dance. Right. All right. Well, here's a team that's basically playing its way out of a bid. But <laughs> if they could somehow, I feel so bad for this team right now. I know because we love them because they're ridiculous. But Texas A and M. They've lost four straight games. They are in the toughest conference in the country in the SEC, but they're they're fifteen and twelve now, six and eight. It's really gonna they're gonna have to win out their last four regular season games and make some noise in the SEC tournament to have a shot at an at large. Otherwise, Jordan, the, gotta... the, the four losses have been bad too. They've been every which right. way. They had three tough grinding losses, and then they got blown out by uh, by Tennessee. Right? I mean, just... but but the but the reason why we love this Buzz Williams team is because they're the best offensive rebounding team in the country. They cannot shoot. Okay, they they're they're 360th in the nation in three point shooting at 27. percent They can't. They're 352nd in effective field goal percentage, but they get almost half their misses. They're offense right. rebounding 42.4 percent of their missed right. shots. So it's hilarious to watch them play because they miss, they go get the ball, they miss again, they go get the ball, they miss again, they go get the ball. And we've seen teams like that. I think of the Minnesota team that beat UCLA, that upset UCLA a few years ago. Yeah. We've seen teams like that be really dangerous in March, but damn, they've really screwed things up lately. Well, you know, we try to give, we don't just say A and B add up to C. We try to give people sketches of what teams play like through their statistical tracks, mm -hmm. right? So here's an easy one. Texas A&M misses their, all their shots, but grabs all their offensive rebounds. Unfortunately for them, and it's been really painfully evident the last in these last four losses, they're not hitting second chance shots. They're not even hitting second chance shots at the rate, which is horrible, that they shoot for the season. Ordinarily, I'd say, well, over time, that'll even out. But they're running out of time. They have four games left. And and it looks, you know, Joe Lenardi said about this team, they got five quad one wins, which should make them a lock. But then those five wins go away fast when you take when they try to pass the eye test. Well, speaking <laughs> just, of running out of time, we're almost running out of time to for this segment. So let's real quick hit on the I think the most interesting conference race down the wire, and that's the Ivy League. You, who would have guessed, first, right? The Ivy League is good, first of all. And you've got three teams that are 9-2 and two in conference play. Princeton is probably the best overall team of the bunch, if you look at metrics. Cornell, the best overall killer, which we'll talk about in a second. And Yale is also 9-2. and two. They're just sitting there. But Ivy Madness, top four teams advanced to semifinals, is going to be super fun. We will be there at Levy and Jim, my, my old stomping grounds at Columbia. But Peter, real quick... Um, Make the case for Princeton. Obviously, we saw them at, make the uh, Sweet 16 last year with two big upsets. Make the case for them following it up again this year. Look, number one, they're a better team than they were last year. They just are. Like, they were 15 seed last year. They're a stronger team across many categories this year. Number two, they play slow. It's not quite the old Princeton offense, but they play slow. They take a lot of threes, and you can count on them to play smart. Um, also, look, I felt, for, I felt for Cornell last year because they were bombs away Cornell's better than they were last year too, but Cornell's defense is ex is very how can we say suspect. Well, Cornell first of all is coached by uh, former Princeton player and former teammate of Mitch Henderson, Brian Earl. Um, what's cool about Cornell? They they do all the things you want. They force turnovers. 
They shoot a lot of threes. They don't necessarily shoot them well all the time. They actually hit 62% of their twos, so they have the ability mm-hmm. to go inside when they want to. And you got to love Chris Mannon, who is third in the nation in steal percentage at 5.8. So they actually, yeah. we have a secret sauce component of our, you know, when we look at giant killers or bracket breakers, and they have the best sauce of this group. Princeton's the best overall team, and and anything to say about look Yale's hanging in there. They're nine and two. They don't profile metrically the same way that these two look, teams do. Prop, props to overall. Yale. Yale, Yale yeah. used to be a tremendous offensive rebounding team, but but James Jones, he can't recruit the very best players. What he has done is an excellent job of adapting his team to the players he can recruit. Which means some years they make for good giant killers, and some years they don't. But they're always excellent, sustained excellence. I mean, they're a good team. I think this race is going to come down to. Who has to face off in that semifinal? Like if yep. there's there's a team that has to play one game to get to the to get to the to win one game to get that auto bid, it'd be a lot better off than the two that have to face off against each other. Well, and Yale has the edge in these last three games because uh Princeton yeah. and Cornell have to play each other. Um, so the loser of that game will almost certainly be the three. It's just a question of who potentially wins a tiebreaker to be the it's two. It's not but predictable because Cornell's already beaten by Princeton, I think by 15 points. And by the way, what the, what the hell's happened to Harvard? I just want to ask, like, 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 come, I, I, I thought, you know, is it, is it that Tommy Amaker didn't get the Duke job? I, I don't know. What's, what's I think on? it's, they realize that you're one of their alums and it's so depressing to everyone on the court that they're just not motivated <laughs> to win anymore. I showed up for basketball games when I was there. And I'm sure that was a joy for everybody in the arena. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, Let's uh, let's take a brief break, and then we'll be back with some very fun, very cool, very smart baseball takes. Underdog. Underdog. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. 
Underdog. Underdog. Maybe you play fantasy baseball. Maybe you don't. Maybe you sit in a basement for a month like Peter planning for some league where you draft 147 players each on a team and, you know, think that that's a standard league. I don't know. But I find that looking for sleepers for fantasy baseball also might give you a little leg up on just thinking about the season in general and teams you might not expect. Oh, to do don't well. try to gussy this up. Fantasy baseball is its own reward. Yes. You'll, you'll find real life sleepers when you fall in love with fantasy players who work out, that makes you a better fan of the game. And of All those right. well, players. since you're Come such on. a great fan of the game, uh, you've been crunching the numbers. <laughs> Give me a couple of guys who are undervalued in drafts so far, maybe relative to what they should have done last year or other expectations hit, hit us with it. Jordan, uh, maybe the guy whose trajectory is so pointing further upward than I think anybody's taking into account is Jordan Walker of the Cardinals. This guy was a monster hitter when they drafted him. He's only a year and a half removed from that. Look, I knew the and, Cardinals. And, and let's just, his, his ADP, we'll, we'll give you the guy's ADP. Oh, so, he can tell, so his ADP is 123rd, right. by, uh, at least according to Fantasy Pros. And uh, he's going 30th, 30th among 30th outfielders. Among outfielders. Yeah. And... That's where he's going to play. When the Cardinals brought him up very early last season, gave him the third base job, he was terrible on defense. You could see it was affecting him. And the Cardinals, you could tell when they lost their organizational touch last year when they started blaming all their problems on their backup catcher. But another weird thing they did was to install Jordan Walker at third base at the age of 21 and then demote him after he cooled off after a hot start for a couple of weeks. That didn't make much sense. Anyway, they brought him back up and all he did was hit. And okay. he hit at a very young age and he has light tower power and he's not going to have to worry that much about defense. And he's going to, he's playing for a team with lower expectations than usual. I think it's all set up for him to do extraordinarily well, just based so, on just draw the line where you think he's going, Jordan. Well, that's the question. If he's going 30th among outfielders and drafts, how much higher would you, would you reach up to grab him? 20th? Yeah. Something like that. All right. I think he's All worth right. a starting. Look, slot. I always love I always love betting on young players. A year, you'd rather be a year too early than a, a year too late. Um, got one more big hitter for us before I give you my 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 prime pitching bounce back guy. All right, before I, I let me give you somebody who's going to seem obvious and okay. he's being drafted high, but I think right. it's too low anyway. Okay, that is Pete Alonso of the Mets. Here's what's going to okay. happen. You're let's, gonna... let's again. Let's give the ADP twenty fourth oh, uh, overall. Twenty fourth overall. Fourth and fourth among, among first, first basemen, and I challenge you. I'll give you Freddie Freeman, but I challenge people. Who's who's who are three better fantasy first basemen than Pete Alonzo? Matt Olson, who had his career last year with a, a home run total that was 15 higher than anything he hit before, and who's older than Alonzo? I, I don't get that. Let me just say this, Jordan, before you go on about Bryce well, Harper. Wait. Well, no, I'm not going to go on about Bryce Harper. What I'm going to say is that I think the fear with Pete Alonzo is that if you're in a standard league, his batting average kills you. Well, here's the deal. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up. Because among everybody in baseball who qualified for the batting title last year, Pete Alonso had the lowest batting average on balls in play. That bounces around from year to year. Look, Francisco Lindor playing for the same team, so same management, same opponents, um, same same lineup, right? His, his batting average on balls in play was in the 230s early last year. From June to, uh, June to July, it looked like a switch flipped. He had 300 BABIP for the rest of the year. His batting average on balls in play rebounded by the end of the season. Alonzo's just didn't. Maybe because he was playing hurt, but there's no noticeable drop-off in the strength of contact that he was making. He just happened to have a terrible year. Uh, 
on balls that he put into play. He hit 210 on balls in play. Who does that and keeps a job? Doesn't affect his power. He's the most reliable power hitter in baseball, and his batting average is going to bounce back up. I wouldn't be surprised if he had a higher batting average than Matt Olson, who had a bat up of 330 last year. That 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 difference is primarily. And, and look, Alonzo did hit what 271 two years ago, and like 260 the year before. That won't kill you at all, uh, especially in today's day and age. Right. Speaking of guys who are unlucky and are primed to bounce back, I present Mr. Dylan Cease. <laughs> now I think he will desist in terms of. <laughs> Poor performance. Going still at all my here. material. Yes. Oh, please. My dad and I have been making this joke for years. Um, he uh, look, Dylan Cease had a 458 ERA last year. It looked like he sucked, right? Well, the underlying metrics suggest something different. His FIP was 3.72. If you don't know what FIP is, it's what fielding independent percentage right. is that the just just strikeouts, walks, and home runs allowed smushed into one number and scaled right. to look like ERA. Correct. Um, his X FIP was 408. He only had a 69% left on base rate. That means he allowed guys to score who are on base way more than the league average. By comparison, most pitchers of his ilk were around 75%. Blake Snell was 87%. That's why he won the fluky Cy Young Award. And Cease gave up, speaking of Babbitt, like you were talking about, hitters hit 330 against him on balls in play. That was the highest mark, again, among any of the top 30 pitchers in XFIP. His strikeout rate was as good as ever. He's two years removed from a 220 ERA season, yet he's still going 30th among starting p- pitchers in drafts. That's way too low, given both the bad luck that shouldn't be repeatable and his upside, which we saw the year before. Are you with me? Cease 10 I'm, spots higher than that? I'm absolutely with you. In 2022, Cease gave up barrels when you hit the hell out of the ball on 6.2% of plate appearances against him. 2023, the number 6.2%. Nobody was hitting him any harder. He was having terrible luck and waving guys on base home. You know, yep. that just that just doesn't sustain. All right. He, keep he's us, the keep opening us day starter. Did you see he's been named the opening day starter for the White Sox after a whole winter where people thought he was going to get traded? Look, I, I think they're right to hold on to him unless they got an absolute haul. And by the way, he might have been one of the guys I'd be willing to give up an absolute haul on. But I, I, I digress. Peter, hit us with another uh, buy low candidate. All right, you know how you can tell when a team believes in a player? When he's a minor leaguer and they give him a major league contract. That means Mm. he's going to play. Playing time matters a lot to young people and to accumulating stats. I'm talking about, let me make sure I have these numbers right, Six foot two, 211-pound, second baseman of the future for the Detroit Tigers, Colt Keith. Look, this guy had uh, 27 home runs. I'm sorry, 20, yeah, 27 home runs, 60 walks, hit over 300 between AA and AAA last year. Might take him a little time to catch up. This is an outstanding draft pick for keeper leagues in particular because he's good. He just needs some time. He just needs some time and some at bats. They're letting him do the last phase of his minor league development as their starting second baseman, which is a cool strategy instead of obsessing over arbitration eligibility and service time, right? So this guy can hit and below Mookie Betts and Ozzy Albies. This is a this is a this is a fairly thin position this year. So I love Cole Keith, second base eligible Detroit. What's a reasonable set of statistical projection, projections that I can't speak for Keith this year? Because I don't think we should go too crazy. You know what? 20 home runs? You know, I saw in Fantasy Pros that the consensus projections were like 13 homers, 53 RBIs, a 256 average. What's realistic? I think if he hits 270 with 17 home runs, that's realistic. And that puts you in the middle of the pack for second baseman. But the upside is enormous. And like I said, it's particularly attractive in keeper leagues. Not, not only is the upside enormous, apparently the backside is enormous too. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's a new stat for us to track. 
Yeah. Wait. All right. Uh, yeah. Waited. Wait. All right. Uh, so Colt Keith got it. Anybody else off the radar that you, again, that's really tracked your attention? Uh, you know, if you're going to take a flyer on a relief pitcher who's not an ace, but might be a step or two away from it, uh, Matt Brash of the Mariners struck out 13.6 guys per nine innings last year. That's outstanding. Like, I think it's worth it to take guys like Johan Duran like a year early, especially again in a keeper league, but even just to build your ratios, Brash is somebody to watch. Um, and unlike somebody like Kevin Ginkle, um, I mean, you know, I don't know if Matt Brash whips his hair around, but, um, you know, uh, he, he has better command than Ginkle and he's not famous just because of small sample size performance. So I think that guy's a keeper. It's tricky because, again, in your league, I think you've got all sorts of non-closers. If you're in a standard league where you, A, don't use holds and you still use saves, and B, where you really don't have enough teams, say more than 10 teams in the league, to necessitate having non-closers in your lineup, is a guy like Brash even worth drafting? Are you just... Are you holding well, on to him? I mean, a lot of that depends on you're willing to gamble that you get a good version of somebody like a Roldis Chapman this right. year instead of a six ERA and home runs flying out of the ballpark. You know, there's a couple of really, really elite closers who are worth getting in any league. The mm -hmm. rest depends on your format. And uh, yeah, the rest depends on your format. The rest depends on your format. Well, the rest depends you on also, my backside. Yeah. Yeah. You also said something that actually I found interesting yesterday, which was really rare when we talk. And, well, leap uh, years, leap years coming up, Jordan. I try to save them. I try to save them for once every four years. That's right. So, you know, you were talking about guys who should have had more RBIs last year. Yeah. And look, how you can um, project that. So enlighten our audience a little look, bit. Leaving aside real world value. Okay. And just looking at what you can pile up in fantasy leagues and RBIs count. You want to find guys who have power, who are in good lineups, or at least can hit whether or not they're in good lineups, but who did really poorly with runners in scoring position or high leverage situations last year, because that stuff bounces around all over the place too. I mean, Jay Cronenworth in high leverage situations hit 128 last year. The year before that, he was at 375. So I just want to bring three numbers to your attention. Xander, Xander Bogarts hit 191 with runners in scoring position last year. Byron Buxton, 141. Uh, Brent Rooker, 167. These are all guys who could hit 30 home runs. If they were having the kind of year they had last year, in fact, this happened with Rooker, they'd hit 30 home runs and drive in about 62 runs, but they're all capable easily just, just by their performance, bouncing up to whatever they've done in the past of driving in 15 or 20 more runs than they did last year and where their prices suggest they should be, um, this year. And real quick, that does not mean that these players are not clutch, right? This is noisy. This is all noise. Yeah. This is all noise. What are we going to, we're going to, you're going to say that the Bogarts, Machado, Tatis, and Cronenworth are all like flops or failures. They all did horribly in the middle of the order last year for the Padres in important situations. But I'm telling you, these things are just luck. They happen to have a really run of historically bad luck in San Diego. All right. Well, look, we are heading into March, the month of math. So stick with us. We are going to have a ton of NCAA tournament stuff coming up. In the next few shows, if there's stuff you're questioning, wanting to learn more about, wanting to know more about, wanting us to address, please hit us up in the comments section on YouTube or on X at Jordan Brenner at Peter Keating NJ. We are here for you, unless you're mean. Then we Did won't you be just here for call you. this March Mathness? I think I might have. 